0: And now, here is your host with reflections from the heart.
1: Welcome, everyone, to another session of reflections from the heart. My name David Abel, and today I'm joined
2: by Cameron Nords. Welcome, Cameron. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure.
1: Awesome, awesome. Everybody, would take a moment and get your Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. But before we break open the bread of life, Cameron. Do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts to help us to see what we're to see, hear what we're to hear, and then
2: put it into action? I would love to. Thank you, Father. We invite you into this today to break open the bread of life, to receive what we're to receive. Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds, speak to our spirits. We want to hear from you. We want to see you. We want to see what we've never seen. We want to hear what we've never heard so we can do what we've never done. Holy Spirit be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Father, Son, and Spirit, amen. Amen. And now again, once again, it comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. He replied to him, Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? Then he said to the crowd, Take care to guard against greed. For though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. Then he told them a parable. There was a rich man whose land produced a bountiful harvest. He asked himself, What shall I do? For I do not have space to store my harvest. And he said, This is what I shall do. I shall tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I shall store up my grain and my other goods, and I shall say to myself, now, as for you, you have so many good things stored up for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and be merry. <laughs> but God said to him, You fool, this night your life will be demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, to whom will they belong? Thus will it be for all who store up treasure for themselves, but are not rich in what matters to God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Jesus
2: Christ! Christ. Wow, I'm thinking it it makes me think about uh, how we measure things. The idea of this man respond in the parable: "What shall I do?" And then it, I do not have space. I shall, I shall, I shall myself. That's how he. That's how he's think. He's thinking about things. It's it's I. There's a lot of I's. Look at him. One, two, three, four, five, six. And the with his heart focus on I and myself, the response at the end of the parable is, "You fool! Your, li- your life will be demanded of you. The things you have prepared." Now, as for you, you have so many good things. The idea of I and you is just making me think, Do we, is that how we posture our hearts? Is it, hey, look at me? Is it I? Hey, look at me. Is it I? Or is it we, we being a team of people, we being a family of people, we being you and God, the idea that the good things that we get to do in this world that other people recognize is that us or is that a gift that they're seeing that the father gave us and they and they're like wow i've never seen anything like that that that's how good god is that is a gift that he gave me you you are witnessing what happens through a yielded vessel when god gets to flow through him that's what's so amazing it's not me it's not i i i myself So being a part of a team is sometimes being a part of a team at work. Sometimes it's being a part of a team with your spouse. Sometimes it's being a part of a team with your kids. Sometimes it's part of being a team with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
1: You know, I love how God uses real-life stories to teach us lessons. So in the beginning, the first sentence, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. So, in other words, how many of us have said, hey, Jesus, this guy, he needs to give me this or this, this needs to happen. Hey, Jesus, this is what I want you to do for me. Jesus is not a genie in a bottle to do your bidding. And I think this man, you know, recognized Jesus was a teacher and then was going to use Jesus for what? His own, his own well-being, his own good to gain something that really was somebody else's. So great learning lesson for me. And then when you get to the I's and the me's and the us, the man in the story in the parable never sought God's counsel, never asked the Lord, What do you want me to do? Jesus Christ led, led a life in this world surrender to the will of the Father. That's why he came to this earth to do the will of the Father. He only spoke what the Father told him to speak. So a right-centered life is a God-centered life, an others-centered life. Whereas the man in the parable in the story The center of the word sin, S I N, is I. The center of the word pride, P R I D E, is I. So for me, Lord, help me and realize in that last sentence, whom will they belong? God owns everything. He entrusts me with gifts to be used to be a blessing to others. They're not mine, they're not my possessions. When we decide they're our possessions, those possessions end up possessing us. They end up controlling us, dictating whether we go or we come. There was a friend of mine just passed, and he wouldn't leave his house because he had this collection of guns. He wouldn't go anywhere. And when he did, he had to go to the hospital. He was like, watch my house. But he was so trapped by the possessions of those guns that he failed to live life because he couldn't leave those possessions. So for me, Lord, it all belongs to you. How can I use it, everything you've entrusted me with, to be a blessing to others, to be an instrument in the salvation of souls? Father, it's all yours. What would you like me to do today? What would you like me to say today? That's the abundant life. That's the great adventure God has for all of us. When we hook up with Jesus and we take on his yoke, we're commissioned, joined with the mission of Christ the salvation of souls.
2: That's so good. And, and God searches our hearts, right? He wants to, he looks at what's on the inside. So as you're sharing that, I'm, I'm picturing two people, they have a title and deed to a house, right? Two neighbors side by side. You could say they're the same, but if one of them has the internal heart posture of, this is the Lord's, I'm the current steward of it, When I die, somebody else is going to live here or it's going to go to somebody else or the bank or an auction or my kids or whatever it is. That idea of possessing it, this is mine. Two people who have their name on the title indeed, it looks the same. But if one of them says, this is mine, and the other one says, this is the Lord's that he's entrusted me with right now, it's it's two different things. And I think that's what God searches for. In this, he says... Take care to guard against all greed. Greed is not an outward thing. It's an internal thing. It, he's looking at your heart. He's, this is another way of saying guard against your heart, right? There's another. There's another verse that says, above all else, guard your heart, because from it flows all things. And the idea that he's watching our hearts, it, it might look the same to other people, but it matters on the inside. Why we do things matters more than actually what we're doing. He's looking for the why. Why did you do something for somebody? Was it to get recognized by people who you knew were watching, or was it because you felt that internal nudge from the Holy Spirit, and you know that that person needed encouraged that day? So you, you did it. He, he, he rewards the secret place. It, and and that's an, that's an internal—I I keep coming back to the word heart posture, but that's what he's looking after.
1: You know, I thought of two stories as you were sharing, because God's always going to test us. He's going to test our hearts. Are we really all in, and we, do we realize it's all really his? So one day my aunt ended up in a nursing home, and she asked me for a picture because she knew I had met Pope John Paul II, and I have a picture of Pope John Paul II with myself kneeling there, speaking with him. And she asked me for one of those pictures to hang by her bedside. So I stood and I looked at the five pictures I had hanging on my wall. And I chose the one I least liked (laughs) to take to my aunt. And immediately the still quiet voice says, give her the best. I'm like, no, (laughs) that's my favorite. I'm looking in his eyes. He's looking in my eyes, we're probably three feet apart. I said, I can't give her that one. That's my favorite. But that's the one I want you to give to her. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So I put the one I didn't like so much back up on the wall and I took my favorite picture down and I took it to my aunt and I gave it to my aunt and it hung by her bedside. And one day I went in, and it wasn't there. I said, I said, Hey, Gertrude, where, where's the picture of the Pope? She said, Oh, the woman down, she's getting ready to pass. And she really wanted a picture Whoa. of Pope John Paul II. No way. So I lent it to her. <laughs> I'm like, is she going to give it back? <laughs> And she said, oh, yes, David, she, it will come back. So next thing you know, that, that lady passed, and the picture came back to my aunt and hung on my aunt, and my aunt passed. And guess where the picture came? Back to me. You see, it's in the giving that we receive a gift that's beyond human understanding. There was another time where a priest was visiting from Ireland. He was in my home, and he was a little boy. He was God's precious son, and he loved clocks. And I have these two magnificent clocks stand about 18 inches tall, gilded, hand-painted from the 1800s. Oh, my, I love them. But one's my favorite. And the Lord says, I'd like you to give him one. <laughs> I'm like, really? You want me to give him one of my favorite clocks? Yeah, not, yes. not your most favorite one, oh, right? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> so he said, yes, let him choose. I'm like, oh, wow. oh okay, Lord. And I said, Father, I said, the Lord, the Father told me to give you one of these as a gift. It's from Him, not me. It's His, not mine. So choose which one you like. So He's going back and forth and back and forth. And the whole time at the heart, I'm going, Don't choose that one. Don't choose that one. Don't choose that one. Right. Guess which one He chose? That one. My favorite clock. Yep. He hand carried that clock through the airport to His home in Ireland. And it's His treasure given to Him by the Father. Right. Used me as a gift. And you know what? I felt total like this euphoria of like, wow, God the Father chose me to give his son the most precious gift that he put in his heart about a clock. Right. it's amazing how God will test us and use us. Because if you think it's your possession, be careful because that possession could possess you. And so for me, man, it's in the giving that we receive, it's like, wow. So ladies and gentlemen, when you realize you're only a steward, A caretaker of everything God's given you, that's the abundant life. It's total and absolute freedom.
2: Yeah, that's so good. And and there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. He, He gives this parable and he talks about a rich man, right? Here it says, Take care, guard against all greed, for though one may be rich, one's life does not consist of possessions. The idea of being rich versus being wealthy is is something to spend some time thinking about. Being rich would say, I have a lot of stuff, I have money in the bank. Being wealthy is the idea that, yes, there might be, it, it doesn't matter how much is in the bank or how many things you have, it is responding to that, hey, I love this clock. It's going to mean the world to somebody else. I, this possession doesn't possess me. The the wealth comes from the friendship that you get with somebody. the The true, genuine friendship, not hey, I'll be friends with you as long as you. I don't ever need to get out of my comfort zone for you. Yep. You know, and, and and you know what those friends are like. The friends that you've had when way back when. When things weren't good or things weren't great, it was like, like a, a bad season of life. It's those times where you can look around and be like, I've known that person for a number of years, and I remember they helped me at a time when I really needed them. And that idea of, we, we know who those people are. We also know who those people are in our lives who, yeah, if things were different, they wouldn't be in our life right? The idea of rich versus wealthy. I'm wealthy with the idea of an abundance of friends that are true, genuine friends, not because of what they have or what I have. The idea that it's genuine. It's genuine. I think it, I think it's worth spending some time on thinking about what areas of our life are we rich in? What areas of our life are we wealthy in? And I I'm proposing the idea that it's, there's a difference:
1: Absolutely. and it take, took me as you were sharing that, I used to go to Kenya a lot um, and up to the Injibara and the Ken, the Gumez tribe, the Gumez tribal people live in tents, they, they're tribal and they have bows and arrows, and that's their life. Wow. But I would go there and meet with these people, the joy that they had to we'd have to get up before daybreak before the sun rose to go to do Bible study with them, to teach them in their language about God. And they'd sit around, but then the sun came up, then they had to go to work. Mm-hmm. So the fire would burn and they would come, and the joy that would be within them. And I remember at nighttime, they would gather around these big, huge fires. They had no electricity. They had no, again, bows and arrows. And um, they'd gather around this fire, and all the families and the elders would, would then one by one take a walk around the outside of the ring around this fire. And in their native language, they would tell stories, family stories. And they would be dancing at this fire and you'd look around and there were fires burning all over the hillsides. I think at one point I counted 23 different villages I could see with these fires. But they were telling their family stories and those stories brought awe and wonder to the children and joy to the elderly. It's like, you know what? These people, though they have not all these possessions and what the world would deem as riches, they are wealthy beyond measure. Yes. Because what they have in their family, in their community, is priceless. So if you think that stuff is going to f- buy you happiness, you're wrong. It's yeah. going to do the opposite. It's like drinking salt water, thinking you're going to quench your thirst, it actually ends up killing you.
2: Right. So as you're sharing that it reminds me I was talking with a lady this morning uh I'll share that story I'll, I'll read out of this verse again it says now as for you you have so many good things stored up for many years rest eat drink and be merry but God said to him this idea of rest eat drink and be merry that's what the world tells us to do the world says retire on a beach with a pina colada right It's it's that rest, eat, drink, be merry. Does God want us to rest? Yes, he designed that in the right way. Does he want us to eat? Yes, he designed that in the right way. Does he want us to drink? Does he want us to be merry? Yes, he wants to have a joy-filled life. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he lived a joy-filled life. He he was full of joy. I think there's one passage of Scripture that says Jesus had— such a measure of joy, and one translation of it would be more than all y'all combined. I'm obviously paraphrasing a, a, a translation, but the idea that Jesus lived a joy-filled life. Jesus wants us to have these things, but the, but the world gives you just a little bit of a different version of it. The idea of painting a picture to work your whole life, get a retirement account that's suitable to sit on the beach and and not do anything. I, that's not the instructions of the Bible. the The Bible doesn't give us a retirement plan. The, the Bible says, "Do all your work unto the Lord." So it doesn't really matter what we're doing, whether we're at a place where there's a check coming in every second Friday, or if we're at a place where th- that's not happening. Whatever you're doing, do it as you're doing it unto the Lord. Amen. It doesn't matter if you're walking dogs for your neighbor, it doesn't matter if you are "quote unquote retired, whatever you're doing, you're doing it for the Lord. And the idea that things are outside of the kingdom and some things are inside of the kingdom. What if we thought of our jobs as inside of the kingdom? Like I feel like we're on earth as his vessels to advance the kingdom of heaven. What better place to do that than where you Get a paycheck from interacting with people that is a perfect opportunity to advance the kingdom and what does the kingdom look like righteousness peace and joy if you can bring joy to somebody's life if you can bring righteousness if you can bring peace we have those opportunities every day are we looking at our opportunities our interactions with other people as the kingdom could be advanced in this next hour with my conversation with this person It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You you could be a mechanic. You could be a lawyer. You can be a salesman. Everything you were doing every day, every interaction is with a precious son, a precious daughter of the father. Can we look at people like that?
1: Well, God's given me an opportunity because after 14 years of not being in the company that I started (laughs) when I was 18 years old, I'm 64 now, 46 years ago. All of a sudden, through a series of events, I needed to step back in. So this morning at Mass, the Lord asked me a question: Why'd you do it? Why'd you step back into the company? And I stopped for a moment. I paused and I pondered. I said, "You know what? I stepped back in for the people. There's 800 families that work for this company that depend on me. They depend on the income. I step back in because of the ministries. We support hundreds of ministries around the world that care for God's people. I said, but the most important reason is." Because this company was founded when your principles, God, it's your company, and it's meant to bring you all honor, all glory, all praise. That's why I did it. Not for the money, not for greed, not for recognition. I said to everybody, I rolled up my sleeves, I'm here with you, you know, and we're going to walk through this together. But then I understood the opportunities that I'm seeing every day, God moments, divine appointments, heavenly kisses, to minister to people is unprecedented. So for me, I've got to stay filled up every day. Because when I step into that workplace, it's a mission field. That's right. And that's the attitude we need to have because we don't own anything. I don't own the company. Stock may be in my name, but it's not mine, it's God's. And to whom much is given, much is expected. So for me, I have to have the key humility. It's not mine, it's his. How do you want to use me today? And I've got to stay filled up. Because if I don't get filled up and stay filled up, this morning I woke up, I said, hey, Lord, ha, don't have it in me today. I said, <laughs> I cannot get up. I cannot make it to mass. I cannot make it to God's reflection. I cannot do the the radio. I'm I'm tired. Right. The Lord's basically said, no problem. Let's have a <laughs> cup of coffee and think about it. So you know what? I did get myself out of bed through the grace of God helped me out. had my cup of coffee, and the Lord gave me the energy that I asked for. I said, you need to give me the strength, Lord. I, said, I don't have it. And when he gave it to me, he gave it to me in abundance. And again, mass was great, gospel reflection was great, radio's going well. God's giving me the strength for this day's journey. And that's where I stay focused. I don't go in the future. I don't go in the past. But it's exciting when we give our lives totally to the Lord and we say, Father, what do you want me to do today? Lead me by the light of the Holy Spirit. Use me for your purpose. Allow me to be that instrument in the salvation of souls and an opportunity to share your good news. With everyone I meet yeah. this day.
2: And, and when you say a prayer like that, then you, you, you need to be on the lookout for that still small voice. Yeah. It, it's every day. Those little nudges. I, I'll, I'll share just a quick story that uh, we, we were at my in-laws and we lost Caroline's glasses. Uh, so our oldest daughter, she's eight. We just got her a new pair of glasses. You know, they're not cheap. And We know they're not insured. You know, we're going to have to buy another pair. But it was funny because my wife brought her other pair of glasses on the trip to her mom's house. We never bring an extra pair. So we lost the glasses. We were kind of looking around, you know, we we couldn't find them. And she goes, you won't believe this. I have her other pair of glasses in my bag back at the house. I was like, why did you do that? She said, I don't know. I just felt like as I was packing up, you know, we probably should travel with her glasses in case something ever happens to him. I said, I know, but she's worn glasses for years. We, we never have brought her extra glasses. And it, it was cool because it was such a God moment. God used that time for us to have that conversation. And I, I just kind of ended the conversation with, thank you for listening to that nudge. Well, then there were other people listening to our conversation and I don't know exactly where they're at in their faith journey. And they said, what do you mean nudge? I said, just that, just that little, a little pull that you feel internally. The idea that for years we've never traveled with an extra pair of glasses uh, and they're like, like a, like a heavenly power. And I said, that's how he, that's how he's talks about himself if, if, in the Bible. Has a still, small voice. So that idea that those tiny little promptings, well, now Caroline's going to be able to have a, a good weekend on this trip because she responded to that. And it turned into this, it was so cool to see how God used that losing of the glasses with that nudge to respond to people. So we have those opportunities every day.
1: Absolutely. And a parable, again, is a real life story that God uses to teach us heavenly reality What's the story of your life today? What are you to learn and how to use that to teach others? God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
0: Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, please consider participating in a Gospel Reflection group. For more information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection groups or how to start a Gospel Reflection group in your area and to learn about all of the family of ministries, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717-367-0100. Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you've enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider partnering with us by making a tax deductible donation by visiting stewardshipmission.org or call us at 717 367 0100. On behalf of all of us at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect and guide you on your journey home to Him. Stewardship, a mission of faith is excited
3: to announce the details of a one-of-a-kind conference held at the historic Star Barn Village in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, September 14th and 15th. It's time to wake up and stand on biblical truths. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 remind us to be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, your every act should be done with love. Nationally known speakers Dr. Bill Lyle, the pro-life doctor, and Dr. Tim Clinton, executive director of the James Dobson Family Institute, will deliver messages that are countercultural. They are joined by Father John Clote from the Diocese of Phoenix, Devin Schott from the Fathers of St. Joseph, and several others. Don't miss this amazing event. For tickets and information, please visit stewardshipconference.org or call us at 717-367 0100, that's stewardshipconference.org, or 717-367-0100.